Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, this afternoon we will learn with Lord's Day 9 over Heidelberg Catechism, look at that biblical teaching that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father. That's the main teaching of this Lord's Day and not as the big heading in the book of praise would would like to show that it is about God the Father and our creation. It is not. It's about God, the Almighty God, being for Christ's sake our Father and what it means for us. And so we will look at that um, as the Heidelberg Catechism summarizes God's word under the theme, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is our God and our Father. And then we will first look at the might or the power of our Father and then we look at the mighty works of our Father. Now, first then we look at the might of our Father. Our Catechism begins with presenting God the Father to us in terms of his eternity. The eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in terms of his eternity, but also his almighty power, also his faithfulness, his wisdom and foreknowledge, all of that together reveals his absolute majesty and holiness. And when we consider God in these terms, then we become aware of the enormous difference and distance there actually is between the holy and all-powerful God and us, unholy, weak sinners. The answer to question 26 begins to say that he is God, the eternal Father. Makes already, there is already a huge difference. All the things that earthly fathers, however good, have to learn or wish that they would be in order to be good fathers, all those things are from eternity part of God's very nature, of God's being, to say it in another way. Because God, the Father's nature, is fatherhood. Now our answer continues and it says that He is the eternal Father, yes, but of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the eternal Father who has sent his eternally begotten Son into the world to save us in order to make us sons and daughters of him again. And in the beginning, God created man. He created man good, as a matter of fact. And the relationship between that created man and, and God was a father-son relationship. That's why in Luke 3, Adam is called the son of God. God wants his children back. And so he sends his only begotten son so that he can have his children back. He's a father. Also in this, faithful, loving, Now so teaches our catechism, this father who from all eternity is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ and so loved us that he gave his only begotten son, this father 
gave the best, his best to save us. This father is for the cry, for the, for the sake of Christ, his son, also our God and our father. Well, Catechism says it a little bit different. It says, my God and my father. And that's so important. Let's keep it personal. When speaking about God, it says, yeah, God is our father. But if, is, if it is, just, is it just as easy for you to say, the almighty God is my father. See, that's how far it has to come. Just to be our father. It's awesome. You need to become your, my father. That is something really awesome to think about. Because with this confession of our catechism, the holy, righteous, infinite, almighty God who eternally dwells in an inapproachable light draws so very near to us. In the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, he puts us at where his eternal Father arms around us. Yes, we as Christians, we live in a wicked world, but we are living within the embrace of our heavenly Father's arms all the time. not only our God, he is also our Father, and this is living in this world very comforting and reassuring. Now with this, not all that could be said about our God and Father's almighty power is said, and that is why the Catechism exclaims, explains to us more about the, the might, the power of the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and our eternal and our Father. It says that He is the one who out of nothing created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them and who still upholds and governs them by His eternal power and providence. So not only is our Father the eternal Father of the Lord Jesus Christ and of us, but He is also the Father of everything He else he created out of nothing he made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them so important that we get at least a glimpse of how powerful he is very important to each one of us it's so very important because just as all children also God's children need someone that they can trust in that they can lean on Someone that they can adore, look up to. The need for someone strong and trustworthy does not at all change when a person grows older. doesn't matter how old or how powerful in the world you become. But you always need someone to trust in, to lean on, to, to lean on and to look up to, to boast in. Now if we as our catechism teaches us believe in God, the Father Almighty, then we have a God and a Father about whom we cannot possibly think too much. You're simply not capable of exaggerating about the power and the might and the glory and the knowledge of our heavenly God and Father. 
Our Father, He made everything that exists with just speaking a word. Nothing is impossible for Him. Nothing is too hard or too wonderful for Him. Everything that God wants to do, He's able to do and He does it. But the difference with human fathers, however good they may be, is a good father. They have those, have those moments that he wish that he could do or acquire something for his family that would be really good, but he doesn't have the ability, the power to make it happen. But it's never so with our God and Father. He is the Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth. If he, in his love for you, desires something for you, it's accomplished at the same moment. Whatever his love for you desire is not limited by any inability whatsoever. God the Father is the absolute, all-powerful Father. How powerful is he? Well, much more than we can begin to imagine or understand. Is infinitely, endlessly more powerful than the most powerful creature. We simply cannot comprehend, get another, get a mind around how powerful our heavenly Father is. But He has revealed some of it in the Bible, and from there we know some of it, and that some of it is already completely overwhelming. When all was darkness, he spoke and there was light. When there was no form and no order, he spoke and mighty oceans retreated behind boundary lines our Father had set for them. And majestic and mighty mountains rose to the height he desired. Mighty and roaring rivers would run the course according to his commands. He just commanded, and the sun and the moon and all the stars found their place, and ever since they traveled a course along the heavens in the paths fixed by him. The winds of the earth become, upon his command, violent hurricanes. But upon his rebuke, they return to be summer, cool summer breezes. And all these things, so great, came forth from him and obey his wishes. But also the very smallest ones of creation. That's unthinkable. And it's still not all. Because none of those things would, not, would, would exist anymore if it was not for the power of his eternal counsel and providence. God is a real and a faithful father who never forsake the work of his hands. By his might, he uphold all things that he has made. That's why we read in Psalm 104, the eyes of all his creatures look expectantly and he gives them the food due in due seasons. Whatever he gives them, they gather in. He opens his hand and they are filled with good. He hides his face and they are troubled. He takes away the bread and they return to their dust. He is the father of everything created and he upholds it 
The Apostle Paul says, For in him we live and move and have our being. Now, we can go on like this for quite a while about the power of our God and Father. But brothers and sisters, young people, are you impressed yet? What a mighty, what a majestic God he is. And now we may confess that this God, this mighty, caring God, is for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, our God and our Father. I hope you're not used to that or to thinking that. Because you would miss so much. Just tonight, before you go to bed, just look up to the sky, look up to the heavens. I hope there are lots of stars out there. You know, and, and stand there under everything that he has created and say, my God, my Father. Do that three times. And if it is not awesome for, to you by then, it's impossible. Mighty, powerful. And think now for a moment about the problems you might have. And we can have problems. Or, or fears that you carry with you. Or dangers that just terrify you. Think of the seemingly impossibilities that you face. Would there be any problem for you, God and Father? What did the Lord Jesus say? Whatever you ask him in my name, he will give you. It's true. We who believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, have mighty enemies. We do. And we can also have real serious needs. But we have this Father. And when he is for us, who can that be against us? No tribulation, no distress, no persecution, no famine, no nakedness, no peril, no sword can be against us. Such things may come to you, may well happen. But they are always under control of this almighty heavenly father. And he promised that he will turn all those things to your good. But Martin Luther could sing, as though the world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear. For God, our Father, has willed his truth to triumph through us. It's always, of course, just as the Catechism says, for the sake of Christ, his Son. You see, there always remains that one great commandment of God the Father that he issued from the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that? A great commandment. This is my beloved son. Hear him. And that, came, that commandment came right in the middle of a time that, that, that a lot of people clamored for hearing. The Pharisees wanted to be heard. The Sadducees wanted to be heard. The Romans with their Pax Romana, they wanted to be heard. There were so many things. And right in the middle of that world, God just shouts up the mountain. 
Dit is mijn beloofde zoon. Hier hem. Emphasis on him. That means that we must believe in him. We trust nothing and nobody with our salvation but him. Also it means that we seek to obey him. That we strive to follow him. You see, then God is your father. And then his love for you is greater than anything else he has created. And if we would obey this commandment that came from the Mount of Transfiguration, and in this way do not belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to the Lord Jesus Christ, then this almighty and all-powerful God is not your father. No, then he is just only your judge. Then he is a judge whose wrath is greater than anything created is able to bear. Brothers and sisters, with the church of all times and all places, we may confess, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And someone might ask, who is your father? Now your answer may become like a song of praise. And we boast. He is the eternal father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing made heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who likewise still upholds and governs by his eternal counsel and providence everything that he has created. And he is, for the sake of Christ's Son, our God and our Father, my God and my Father. Really believe that this world can spin out of control? No way. Our Father is much more powerful than any power anywhere. Great privilege that we may confess that, that we know that is true. Someone could still ask the question, okay, you say that. This almighty God is your father. But what is he doing for you? And that's a good question. And we'll listen to the answer upon that question in our second point. And we can all see in the second half of the answer of our catechism that it begins to speak about what we the children of this father are doing. That's where it begins it. As you read, in him I trust so completely as to have no doubt and so on. This is of course true. We the children of God the Father ought to trust in him without any doubting. We just have realized how powerful, how mighty, how faithful, how loving he is. We have no reason to doubt him. And it's also true that at, at, at times you really believe this and that we really say it too. But it's also true that there are other times that this is what we really would want to do, but that it is a tremendous struggle. A struggle we at times even lose when there are problems 
in our lives. Trusting in God becomes a struggle. We can all of a sudden be so overwhelmed by certain problems that we think, well, that's how it's going to be forever. Only God is forever. And he loves you. And the, the, those among us who are a little bit older, they know that there are those problems that is all of a sudden so overwhelming. And then and you panic. And you finally end up praying about it. And half a year later, you back, where are these problems? Where are they? Well, the answer is, you have an almighty God and Father who just loves you. But it's true. Trusting in God can become a struggle for God's children. The Catholicism is right in the way it states the answer. Because with the Almighty God as a Father, we absolutely have never any reason for doubt that He will take care of us, even if our problems seem to be insurmountable. First thing we read about the mighty works our Father is doing for us is that He provides us with all things necessary for body and soul. And of course, that doesn't mean that we now can say, okay, let's sit back and let's see how the Lord is providing for us. How is he going to do this? You know that's not right. You know that we are still living in a world which is cursed because of our sin. What the Lord said to our first father Adam, in the sweat of your brow you will eat bread, still counts today. And the Lord, yes, he will provide for us, absolutely, but normally... That means that he will bless the work of our hands, of our minds. That he will reward the sweat of our brows. And it is also true that in abnormal circumstances, God the Father provides us with what he calls more wonderful ways. But again, normally, the Lord uses means. The means which he gave each one of us. But he does provide. So let's now look at with what the Lord is providing us. Our catechism says that he will provide us with all things necessary for body and soul. And especially in our time, we have to watch that we don't read more into them than it says. The Bible and also the catechism teaches us that our Father will provide all things necessary things that he finds necessary. Now we may have some ideas of the things we need, but the Almighty God the Father precisely knows what we need and when we need it, and he will most surely provide it. We trust in that. The trouble is that we're living in a time that a whole lot of people have things they need and things they want completely mixed up. And so there is simply no end to the things that they need in their lives. And there are many who need the luxury things more than healthy food and warm clothing and sufficient shelter. Some go so far 
as to deprive themselves of the things that God already provided them because they decided they need all the things more. In order to save for things that they have decided they need more, that they have to have, they deprive themselves sometimes of rest, of sleep. They can buy the toys they want. Garage is full. Next year we have a garage sale. We got to have it. You need it. Necessary. It's good that God really knows what we need, isn't it? And of course, that that doesn't mean that God doesn't give us only what's necessary. Oh, he gives us all we need for body and soul. And that's really a lot. God the Father promises, his people promises you in his word that he will provide you with all things you need for body and soul. All the food you need, all your life long. He promised that he will provide it. All the food you need. All the clothes you need. All you need will be there as long as you live. We may trust in this without any doubt. No, it doesn't mean that God our Father only gives us, his children, what we really need, the bare minimum, so to speak. We know that much better. We only look at our own lives. And one quick look at the Bible teaches us that God is much more generous than that. Our Heavenly Father is to us a very generous Father. Think about the times you enjoy a warm cup of coffee. Think about the times you enjoy a nice steak or you load up a sandwich with all kinds of goodies. Far surpasses bare needs. Think about the home you live in, the size, the furniture you have, the amount of clothes in your closet. Doesn't it far surpass the bare needs of a stable and a manger? Our Heavenly Father truly provides generously, doesn't he, brothers and sisters? So we see that our Heavenly Father uses his almighty power to provide in all our needs for our temporal life here on earth. But the Catechism also speaks about the things, the needs of our souls. See, our Heavenly Father is a much better father than many of us earthly fathers are. How many fathers are there that go to great lengths to provide for their kids so that they can have everything he can possibly think of but doesn't go as nearly to the same length about the need for their kid's soul. At least not time-wise. You know that our children have souls created for an eternity. 
So often we give the spiritual, the soul needs of our children so little thought. Oh yes, we send them faithfully to catechism classes, to the Christian school, we take them to church and that's, that's good. Please keep doing that. But fathers and mothers also, are you yourself taking time to speak with your children about their need of their souls? The need for a new heart. Are you daily praying the Lord for the salvation of your children or are you just assuming it already? Are you like Job, every day interceding on behalf of your children at the throne of grace? Do you speak with your children about the blessings he daily showers upon you and your family? Do you speak with them and share with them the sheer joy you have belonging to Jesus? Do you share with them the comfort it gives you? Do you share with them the comfort of living in this this world, but having the eternal almighty God as your father. Can they see it on you? Can they sense, as small as they are, some of that trust without any doubts that you have in your father? The, the, those are the needs for the souls of the children and the Lord uses means. And parents, that's you. You're the first means, not the school, not the catechism classes, not even the church. You. And if you don't do it, the other things, they might help by God's grace, but normally, if we don't use the means, come up short. There is simply no substitute for parents who witness with, about God's goodness to them every day. And it belongs to the things the children need for their souls. This world and this life will not last forever. We all know that. We also know that God will create a new heaven and a new earth, which, which will remain forever. And then the question is, are your children, as far as you're concerned, parents, well provided with the things that they need for that eternal life on the heaven and new heaven and new earth? Think about it. Now we all come up short, isn't it? Who of us does not come up short? Not our Heavenly Father. That's our comfort. Not our Heavenly Father. He uses His might and so unfailingly provides us and our children with all the things we need for our souls, for our spiritual life. He has given us his only son, for his sake, he gives us his love, his grace, a renewed heart, his Holy Spirit, his guidance, his protection against the evil one. He gives that we still may live in a country where there is freedom to worship him. Week upon week, he calls us together and he speaks words to us of warning, yes, but also words of comfort, of peace. He is our faithful, care and caring God and Father who for the sake of Christ, his Son, takes care of all our needs. 
Then the Catechism continues, and it says something about the adversity that we experience in this life of sorrow, it says in our Catechism. I don't know. That is an accurate description of our lives. The Apostle Paul keeps on saying to us, rejoice, and again I say to you, rejoice, and the Lord Jesus keeps on calling us to him so that we may have peace and the rest. How as a Christian can you say that if a life of sorrow? And but but if you look in the older versions of the Catechism, it doesn't say life of sorrow, it points to our lives, it points to this valley of tears that we live in. And will also turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this valley of tears, pointing at the sinful world we as Christians need to live in. Sometimes improvements are not really improvements. But we go on and we see that there are two things that our fathers does with the adversity, the evil that comes upon us. The first thing that we see is that, yeah, he sends it. He sends it. And the second is that he turns it to our good. Now, it is pertinently, pertinently not true what among popular Christianity is proclaimed that if sad or bad things happen to us, that God did not want it to happen, and that he suffers too. That's not true. It simply cannot be true. We believe in God the Father Almighty. If God Almighty does not want a thing to happen, it simply won't happen. And so we, may believe, we must believe that God our Father sends to us the adversity that we experience in our life of sorrow. In this valley of tears. That's what the original authors of the Catechism said. It spoke about this valley of tears. And they probably did this to remind us that God made this creation perfect. But that we with our sins turned it into a valley of tears. So who is, to blame? who is then to blame for the evil in this world, for the brokenness of this world? You see, God, our Almighty Father, is the maker of heaven and earth. That's true. And, and he made it good. We, we did it. We turned his paradise into this valley of tears. And the adversity, the evil in this world, is the consequence of our sins. God had said it. The day that you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And we men chose to disobey and turn this perfect world that God had made into this valley of tears and the valley of shadows of death. We turn God's beautiful world in a place where the ground is cursed. A world where giving new birth causes bitter pain. A world on which people die and suffer from diseases, violence, and disaster. We brought all that adversity in this world. And now God our Father sends to everyone in the world some of it. He does. In the sweat of your brow. 
means just more than the sweat of your brow. See now how based upon God's word, in Romans 8 verse 28, this answer of our catechism says something beautiful. Because it says that our God and Father turns to our good all the evil that he sends to us. To us who are the children, his children for Christ's sake. Do you believe, brothers and sisters, in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you therefore belong to him with body and soul, both in life and in death? Then you will most certainly experience most wonderful things in your life. Then you will most certainly experience that God turns the adversity that destroys others to your good. He does. Joseph already said it to his brothers who had sold him as a slave. He said, but as for you, you meant it as evil against me, but God meant it for good. We have turned the Garden of Eden into the Garden of Gethsemane, where our Lord and Savior, sweating blood, cried out, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And this cup was filled with an adversity worse than any man could ever imagine. And this cup did not pass for him. And so in obedience to his father, he, in the law for us, he drank this cup of adversity to the very bottom. And God the Father turned that to our good. The greatest adversity ever. He turned to our good. God the Father will turn for Christ his son's sake all the adversity that he sends upon us in that veil of tears for, to our God. Even the things that we experience as adversity, they come to us by his fatherly hand. He sends them because, believe it or not, we need them. That's why. Not because he's angry with us. Because we need them. It's for our good. And we need to believe this. And we need to trust our Almighty Father in this. And we must cling to this. Just when adversity comes to us, God the Father loves us and he will turn it to our good. For us, our Lord Jesus Christ took the sting out of all adversity that way. Our answer concludes with praise for our Heavenly Father, praise that at the same time is an infinite source of comfort in every situation in our life. And it says about our Heavenly Father, about all those wonderful things, He is able to do so as Almighty God and willing also as a faithful Father. Our Father in Heaven is the Almighty God. He is the maker of heaven and an earth. And he holds the whole world in his hand. And nothing is impossible for him. And his faithfulness to us is as infinite as his love. Never do we have to doubt his decisions. Because everything he brings upon us is for our God. Amen.